With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey everybody, Dan Lobby here from the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and I want to tell you about Cleveland.com's Football Insider. It is our exclusive content for Browns fans, and you can find it at cleveland.com slash browns. Uh, you sign up, you can check out the free trial. It's $3.99 a month. After that, you get texts from Mary Kay Cabot, and then every day in your inbox, you get a newsletter from us that includes all of our Browns content, but also at the very top of the newsletter, an exclusive piece of content that we don't put anyplace else on the website. Sometimes it's a video, sometimes it's a, a deep dive into some stats, sometimes it's some predictions for uh, for an upcoming game. Uh, Mary Kay writes it, it's got Patsco writes it, uh, Ellis Williams, Doug Maurice, I write it. Uh, you'll get all that from us, so check that out. Football Insider, it's at cleveland.com slash browns. Here's the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. This is Mary Kay Cabot. This is Scott Patsko. Ellis Williams here. Alright, this is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is right after the Browns lose to the Seahawks, 32-28. to uh, We are at First Energy Stadium, sitting in a booth here. Um, and we are going to go away with five headlines here to get us going. In the first headline, Baker Mayfield got a little bit banged up today. He left the game, but he did come back. He did. He not only left uh, the, the field, he actually went into the locker room. He had x-rays on his hip. They were negative. He came back out. He still like he was hurting somewhat, uh, but he went back into the game. I asked him, did you have to force yourself back into the game? And he said uh, it was never any question. Okay, headline number two. The Browns in this loss today turned the ball over four times, including three interceptions by Mayfield. Yeah, this is his third multi-interception game of the season. The second time he's thrown three. Uh, Nick Chubb had the first fumble of his career. Um, 321st touch, I believe, overall, which was a nice streak to start off, but that's obviously over now. The Seahawks turned two of those turnovers into touchdowns, which was a, a big deal. The Browns' defense this season, when they've gotten on the field after a turnover 11 times, the other team has scored seven times, including six touchdowns. So this is becoming a problem. They're not getting those big stops after big momentum, momentum shifting turnovers. And thanks to that fumble, a Scott Patsko post is lost to the ages sad, forever. Very sad. Uh, topic number three, the officiating. I guess we'll say it was questionable today. There were a few calls that uh, seemed a little bit off. There was Jarvis Landry stretching for the goal line. It looked like he got in. It was not uh, upheld, or the call was not overturned on replay, so they had to run a fourth down play. Uh, Landry also had a blindside block called, a play where he was looking directly at the player that he blocked, and that player was looking back at him, it appeared. 
Uh, some questionable officiating today, Ellis. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens after the game said he wouldn't comment on it. Um, but we're allowed to, and look, this place was going crazy at some of these calls, as you already referred to. Uh, Baker Mayfield actually wasn't afraid to say something about it after the game, mentioned he'd likely get fined. Uh, but I think Mayfield's comments echoes what everyone in this uh, stadium felt today, that the game just it looked off, it felt off, and the Browns were really on the wrong side of it, most of the calls today. Okay, so where this leave the, leaves the Browns for headline number four, they are 2-4 and four this season. It wasn't that long ago they were 2-2 two and two and in first place in the AFC North. Now they are 2-4, and four, and they are two games behind the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC North as the Browns head to their bye week and then go to New England. So 2-4, and four, not an ideal place to be after six games. We did talk about it on our last podcast that it's not the end of the world. Maybe we'll get back to that a little bit today as well. But 2-4, and four, and now second place in the AFC North behind the Baltimore Ravens by two games. Uh, headline number five, Mary Kay, it is that bye week. And after that bye week, a very challenging road game against the New England Patriots, who many believe are the best team in football and many believe have the best defense in football. Yeah, you know, the Browns obviously did not want to go into their bye week at 2-4 and four knowing what they have facing them coming out of this bye week. Going into New England on the road, facing a defense that is playing so well, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, you name it. Uh, tough, tough challenge for the Browns. Uh, this isn't how they wanted it to be, but I maintain uh, that even if they end up at 2-5, and five, all of their goals are still in front of them. Okay, those are our five headlines from the Browns' loss to Seattle, 32-28 to here at First Energy Stadium. So now let's take some time to kind of dig into this football game a little bit. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. Let, let's go down this route. I guess what concerns you most about what you saw out there on the field? Uh, with the Browns losing, they blow a 20-6 to lead. And I think for me, that's kind of what concerns me the most. They had a 20-6 to lead in this game, and they had opportunities to maybe pull away, put this football game away. I don't know if Russell Wilson is ever actually out of a football game, but there were opportunities. The Seahawks didn't look great, I thought, most of the day, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I just think this is a missed opportunity, another game where the Browns looked really good early, especially on offense, and then just bogged down again as the game went on, especially after they got out of that no huddle that they ran in the second quarter. That's that's a concern that I come away with. I think the thing that concerns me the most, after they got it to 20-6, to they turned the ball over four times. And that's probably the number one concern that I have is that Baker Mayfield is just throwing a lot of interceptions. Now, granted, some of them are going off of guys' hands, but even some of that has to be blamed on Baker Mayfield because the passes aren't perfect. When you're throwing them behind a guy or when you're not placing the ball as well as he seemed to do last year, they're not going to be completed. They're going to go off somebody's hands. They're going to get deflected. Uh, So I don't think we can completely absolve him of of those interceptions either. He's now got five touchdown passes against 11 interceptions this season. That's too many, uh, and something's not right there. That's the thing that they have to go back to the drawing board over this bye week and try to figure out how to get Baker Mayfield back on track. Freddie said that he didn't want this team to be a a roller coaster team, an up-and-down team, but that's this, this game was like a microcosm of the entire season of being a roller coaster. They start off with the three touchdowns, which they hadn't done since uh, they did it against Cincinnati. I think they had four in that game. Uh, that might have been a record for the Browns. Uh, but they looked great coming out. And then you get the block punt and the interceptions. Then you retake the lead. Then you lose the lead. 
And then, you know, you get the ball back with like, what, three and a half minutes to go, and you think, all right, well, this is the moment for Baker Mayfield to, to get everything on track, and then, you know, interception. So this, this up and down, this inconsistency, um, I, I don't know if there's anything coaching-wise you can do. It just, I think it just has to happen. Something needs to, to knock this team on track and get them to put together not just one game, but like multiple games where they're, they're doing everything right and they're not shooting themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Of course, those first two things worry me. Uh, I want to talk about this defense and the burden they had today to continually bail out the Browns' offense. Uh, you know, the final scoreboard isn't going to say that the Cleveland defense played great today, but they played a, a good enough football game where their offense should have been able to support them as the defense did all game. Uh, these turnovers put the Browns in, in tough situations, and and these defenders aren't really sure when they're going to have to go back on the field because you get a little bit of a break and then you turn around and all of a sudden there's another Browns turnover. So I'm worried about this defense having to continually carry the load and bail this offense out of situations they simply shouldn't put themselves in. Okay, so let's circle back on a couple of those. And let's start with... Um... Let's start with Baker Mayfield. The turnovers today, you know, look, not all of them were his fault. Some of them were. Um, you can spend a ton of time on Twitter and talk yourself into a bunch of straw man arguments. I, I don't think anybody out there is giving up on Baker Mayfield or saying that the Browns have the wrong quarterback or anything like that at this point. It's still so early in the year. Um, but how concerned are you guys about Baker Mayfield right now in, in this moment? Is, is there... And do you guys all believe that he can turn this around and do it quickly? You know, I do believe that he can get it turned around. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is going to happen in the second half of the season that is going to help him a lot is for him to get Kareem Hunt on this football field. I think he needs a player like that uh, that can be a big, big part of the passing game, almost be another receiver for him uh, and work sort of the, the short and intermediate over the middle or whatever you need him to do, he can line up his, he can split wide, he can play in the slot, he can do all different kinds of things. So I think he needs a guy like that. I think he needs Richard Higgins back. I think he has a comfort level with the Richard. I think no matter what anybody says, I don't think that Baker and Odell Beckham Jr. have their mojo down or their chemistry down together yet. We, I thought all the way back into OTAs it was going to be a problem. I still think it's a problem. I mean, the, he did catch six passes today, but they're just not on. And you could see that in the first two passes that, you know, that went off Odell's hands. They're just not on the same page yet. So the more they work together, I think that'll help. Worst defenses that they play in the second half. So I think you'll see a better Baker Mayfield down the stretch. Yeah, I think to add to Mary Kay's point there, this offense, though the names are there, they're missing some important pieces that help out quarterbacks that simply just don't have their mojo right now. You mentioned Rashad Higgins. You mentioned a running back that uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Also, this team's missing a tight end that they can lean on. Mm-hmm. Not that Njoku necessarily was that, and I'm not sure where they can find it, but you know, Ricky Seals-Jones does a nice touchdown today, but a lot of that is made from Odell Beckham drawing double coverage and mm-hmm. pulling a safety away from Seals-Jones. Look, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, two incredible wide receivers, but they bring a lot of the same stuff to the table. And right now this offense is looking, I don't want to say predictable, but unless it's Mayfield stretching the field with these guys, we're not seeing, as I just said, running backs out of the backfield or a tight end that can do something for this team. So will Mayfield bounce back? Yes, but there are glaring issues in this roster offensively right now that are starting to glare its head. 
Yeah, I think the season's set up for him to bounce back. You know, it's it's the opposite of what we see a lot with college football where you play the cream puffs early and then you got your tough mm-hmm. games late. You know, it's flipped for the Browns this year. And some of Baker's issues are, you know, of his own making. But looking at the last half of that season, of this season, um, it, he's going to have a lot of opportunity to bounce back. And he's going to have a lot of opportunity to get these players back, like like Mary Kay mentioned, coming back into the team, adding Kareem Hunt, getting Rashard Higgins back. Getting Antonio Callaway straightened out, um, you know, I, it's there. And I think concern, I think, is a strong word. I think it's just you give him time. It is his second season. Um, it's obvious at this point that the Browns are not going to achieve the expectations that were heaped on them in uh, before the season, but I still think they're going to be successful, and I think Baker's going to be successful too. I think, too, it goes to some of the roles, too. And you mentioned Kareem Hunt, Mary Kay. Um, I mean, you have guys that aren't – like Don Terrell Hilliard, the ball goes off his hands. If that's Kareem Hunt, and we don't know for sure, Kareem Hunt's going to drop some passes and maybe have a ball go off his hands and get picked, but Kareem Hunt's probably going to catch that ball. You know, Duke Johnson probably catches that ball. You're putting Don Terrell Hilliard in important positions that he's never been in in the NFL. Maybe he'll become that guy, maybe he won't, but right now – it looks like he's not that guy. I mean, there was the the fourth down he picked up, barely got it. If that's Nick Chubb, it's probably an easy first down. So, you know, Antonio Callaway last week, the big story was he was maybe put in some positions he didn't need to be put in. So getting Richard Higgins back, kind of having everybody settle into kind of roles and set positions, I think is going to help Baker Mayfield as well. Right, because, like, what a glaring question for this offense is, who's their go-to guy? you think it would be Odell Beckham, Beckham was targeted once in the fourth quarter on a weird fade route in the end zone that had no chance from from the get-go. I'm not sure who Baker can lean on when he needs, uh, you know, the interception, as you just said. When he needs a guy he can count on, I'm not sure where that is right now, largely due to the attention Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham bring. There's not another outlet there. And the other thing that I think that, you know, we should exercise a little bit of caution on is, when Rashard Higgins gets back, I mean, we're, we kind of talk about him, you know, like he's Jerry Rice. <laughs> yeah, Rashard Higgins probably shouldn't be the savior we're making him out to be. But, um, you know, he's going to be coming off of a, of a knee injury, yeah. and obviously they didn't play him today for some reason, and I think it's probably because they didn't think he was 100% ready. It might take him a little bit of time to work his way back into sort of game shape, getting hit, doing all those kinds of things. And Callaway is just rusty. I mean, he's just rusty. He's not with it. And, and he really needs to get in his playbook. He needs to get in the film. And he needs to pick it up. Um, let's go back to a little bit of that roller coaster that's, that Scott brought up. And, and this also kind of goes with the, the blown leads. Uh, so the Browns' first three possessions. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Here's how their next however many possessions ended. Blocked punt, interception, interception, halftime, fumble, Punt, turnover on downs, and then they finally scored another touchdown, and they, they, they had the interception on their final possession of the game. So th- this was quite a roller coaster for this team. Like you said, it's got to kind of encapsulated their entire season. Uh, you know, they started off so strong, as we've seen over and over again. When this team comes out on script and is playing fast, they do really well, and then it just starts to bog down. And against a Seattle team that I think honestly was ready to look like a West Coast team playing a 1 o'clock game, the Browns put these possessions together where they get the block, they go that quick three and out, and then they get the pump blocked. 
that's the kind of possession that lets a team back into a game, and it did. And then you follow that up with two interceptions, including a red zone interception. And it's just the inconsistencies of this football team right now showing through. Yeah, and I, we were sitting in the press box, and the Browns went down the field after uh, Hilliard's uh, uh, big kickoff uh, return and, and scored. And Mary Kay turned to me, and is like, I don't know, two minutes, not even two minutes gone in the game, and she goes, we're both going to be wrong because we both picked the Seahawks <laughs> to win. Uh, that, we didn't realize that the Browns were going to start shooting themselves in the foot um, not long after that. So I think, you know, if it's not penalties, it's it's the turnovers. And you had a couple big holding penalties in this game that brought back positive plays, uh, a couple by Chris Hubbard um, <clears throat> that, that, that pulled things back. And they just find, you know, in, in week one it was just the volume of it. But now it's to the point where they find these – worst possible moments to have those that, those kind of things. And even though they started off this game so great, they're not at a point yet where they can always overcome something like that. And the flip side of that is Doug Glamourice was sitting next to me and said, is that the first time they've scored a touchdown on, on their opening drive? And I said, no, they actually did it against the Titans. Yeah. So <laughs> it hasn't always gone well for this team when they've scored opening drive touchdowns. Foreshadowing. Uh, yeah, as far as the roller coaster is concerned, I, I just think that they need to pay way more attention to detail in every single aspect of this football team. They need to tighten up the penalties. They need to clean up the penalties. They need to make sure that they're super precise on route depth and things like that. You know, they need to make sure that when they're in the red zone, that they're really, really working on situational football like that. I mean, they just need to be more disciplined, better coached, a well, more well-oiled machine. This is their tough stretch. They're going against some really good veteran coaches that have won Super Bowls, by the way, right? I mean, and if they have it, you're going against Kyle Shanahan, who's yeah. just an excellent coach. Next week, they're going to go against Bill Belichick, who's the master and the king of yeah. situational football. And these guys are playing sloppy football, okay? They're just not playing good quality football from top to bottom. And I know Freddie was frustrated today, uh, but, you know, and he said some of it's play calling too, some of it's execution. It is everything. Everybody needs to go back and pick every single thing up a notch from top to bottom. Yeah, timing is crushing this team. I go back to uh, the turnover on downs. Freddie Kitchens challenges uh, Jarvis Landry's score, and though uh, many Browns players thought he scored, and look, that's up for debate. Before the flag was, well, when the flag was thrown, the ball snapped almost simultaneously. Nick mm-hmm. Chubb scores. Uh, touchdown obviously doesn't happen, and then Freddie goes back and runs the same play, and Nick Chubb's stuff. It's really just an odd just timing with this team, and you don't want to pity them and say they'll bad break, but there's just something about the timing of this team that isn't often, to your point, Mary Kay, they're not that well-oiled machine that you get when you face a team like the Rams and McVay, Shanahan, and soon to be the Patriots, Pete Carroll, these successful coaches who have built a culture. Uh, this team's timing is off, and it's shooting them in the foot at the worst possible times. Going back to that officiating thing, too, I think it's really important to point out that, okay, maybe that Jarvis play should have been called a touchdown. It wasn't. You still had a fourth down play that you can run. You know, all this talent, you got a fourth down, you got a quarterback who can sneak the ball. You can still get that ball into the end zone on, on fourth down. Uh, the horse collar, which actually, looking at the rule, might have been the right call uh, because he got the nameplate. Uh, that made it first and ten from the 47. So you still let Seattle drive 53 yards down the field yeah. and score the go-ahead touchdown. Even the blindside block, mm-hmm. you know, that made it second and 22, and I know that puts you behind, uh, that puts you behind the sticks, but 
you know, come up with something to give you a, a chance on third down. There, you, you still have to go play football. That game, that play happened in the middle of the third quarter. Uh, the Browns still managed to eventually take the lead in this game anyway. So the officiating was terrible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you might get to January. That's where this team wants to be. And if you're in a wild card game, you might get some terrible officiating in that game too. And you got to overcome it and figure out a way to win it. The truth of the matter is, I mean, you're never, almost never going to win a football game when you turn the ball over four times and you get a punt blocked. So these are the kinds of things that they have to clean up. they got to look at the film and figure out, once again, why are the turnovers happening. I think part of it, once again, goes back to Baker Mayfield not being as sharp as he needs to be, and they need to find a way uh, to try to bring the best out of Baker Mayfield in this, the rest of the way. Let's uh, give some credit to Odell Beckham Jr.'s uh, creativity. Uh, with I think it was after uh, the first interception where he waited for the defender was, to get incredible. up. Yeah. And then like it was almost kind of baiting him to get up. Right. And then he did, and then the whole idea was to strip the ball. Right. You know, they, they ruled that he gave himself up, which I think was probably the correct call because he was laying on the ground in a fetal position. And then you, actually, you actually saw him start to get up and yeah. kind of laid back down. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, but how many players are going to think to do that? Like, right. I'm going to sit here and, and, and wait for this guy to get up and then and then try to steal the ball. So it was... Yeah, I mean, smart. It was smart. Didn't smart work, player. but, yep. you know, I think he deserves some credit for that. Yeah, so. very good. All right, Browns fans, I'm going to give you all a reason for hope. Uh, I'm going to read you the rest of the Ravens' schedule here. They get to go to Seattle next week. Uh, on the 20th. So they have to play Seattle still, mm-hmm. and they have to do it on the road. Yep. They still have to play the Patriots. Now, that's a home game for them, but it's still the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's a Sunday night, if I'm reading this date right. Uh, of course, they have a game against the Bengals still. They have to play the Texans. The Browns don't have to play the Texans mm-hmm. this year. The Texans just beat the Chiefs today. Yeah. So the Browns have to play, or I'm sorry, the Ravens have to play a yep. pretty good Texans team. they got to play the Rams, who are struggling, but it's still the Rams. They have to play the 49ers still. Both Mm -hmm. teams still have to play the Bills. Um, They have to play each other, of course. Now the Ravens still have the Jets on their schedule. There's some tough games for the Ravens here coming up. So there's some opportunities if the Browns can kind of get things together. And again, you know, I I use caution a little bit, just putting some some W's in pen, unless it's the Dolphins and the Bengals. Uh, But... As we've said over and over again, there are some very winnable games in the second half of that schedule, and the Ravens uh, could get tripped up along the way. That two-game deficit could could get made up if the Browns can kind of get their their stuff together here and uh, and be good enough to beat some bad teams in the second half. Absolutely, I mean the the it's you know flipping the script. The Browns are heading into the very easy portion of their schedule. They're just coming out of the they will be coming out of the horrible part in a couple of weeks and and heading into easy street, basically, and it's just the opposite for the Ravens. And I think that gap can close very, very quickly, especially if the Browns can clean up a few mistakes. I still think they have a good chance to win the division. Here's the thing. I was talking to Doug Lee Maurice about this after the game, and I think last week we talked about 2-5 uh, and five and what that would mean, and yeah. I think we kind of thought that this path was still there, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get back on track and make the playoffs. Yep. But Doug brought up an interesting uh, hypothesis if they lose to the Patriots, then they turn around and lose to the Broncos on the road, and a Bills team, which and a is a lot better, better than better people better thought they would be. Yeah. Same with the Bills. Right. You're two and seven. Mm-hmm. You still have some pretty winnable games the rest of the season. Right. The best you can do is nine and seven. You've lost five in a row, which I think would be a really bad situation for this <laughs> team to be in. Mm-hmm. But nine and seven does nine and seven win this division? Eight and eight could. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I to your to your point, 
Um, they're running out of real estate. Right. With these, I mean, they're zero and three at home now. They would have no room for error. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. So you don't want to count on a seven-game winning streak. Yep. Right. Yep. And yeah. that, that margin for error is becoming so thin. And despite the earlier points of optimism we're leaning towards here, um, you know, Jarvis Landry walked out of the stadium today before media could get into the locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first, you know, ten or so players out. He's not happy. Mm-hmm. And you know. Miles Garrett had a similar message after the game. Um, look, it could be just a case of post-game blues, mm-hmm. and things will turn around. It will go into a bye week, but there is not. You couldn't see the, the optimism in anyone's face today. Mm-hmm. Well, when you yeah. when you look that, at that locker room cleared out fast. Yep. Yeah. When, when you think about Jarvis, think about the night that he had. He had the illegal blindside block. Yeah. He had a touchdown that he thought he scored that wasn't a touchdown, and then he had a ball thrown to him that was picked off down on this yeah. end. So that was a bad night for Jarvis, and he hates to lose. And he was he was leading the charge down here on the opposite sideline when that DK Metcalf catch. Yeah. I'm not so sure it was a catch late right. in the game. Right. Him and Freddie were standing right there leading the charge, yeah. uh, yelling at the officials on that one. But I do agree. I, I still think that when push comes to shove in the last seven games of the season, that the Browns can make up a lot of ground. They can still win this division. Um, but the, the thing that we are counting on when we talk about that is everybody staying healthy, right? Baker Mayfield injured his hip today. Yeah. Now, hopefully for him and for the Browns, it's not a hip flexor. It's not something serious. He's not going to wake up tomorrow and need an MRI. Uh, but that last seven games will be predicated upon, upon OBJ, Jarvis, Baker and Miles being healthy. And Brown's players not sitting here thinking the same thing we are about those games because that's how you come out and lose by 30 to the Tennessee Titans. All right, that'll do it for our post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and yeah, that's it. I almost said it. And Dan. (laughs) Uh, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.